How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Blind. I am your host, Chris Adams. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Um, leave us a review. I really appreciate all the reviews, the shares, that kind of stuff, man. It, it helps this thing grow and helps bring all these call makers, competition callers, and, you know, just waterfowl guys stories to everybody else. Um, I said it in a podcast recently. Um, I was doing the BTBN as a news source and doing little videos and different whatnot. And a lot of it was just me giving my opinions on stuff. And this time around, I wanted to go with the podcast element because it gives you guys as the uh, the call makers and the callers, hunters, and just different guys, their voice and a way to share their story without having to go through me and uh, I just, I've really liked that. You guys have had a, a great response to it. I get messages all the time telling me great episode, who I should have on next, that kind of stuff, ideas. I love it. So uh, if you like it, send me a message. Say you like it. I really appreciate that kind of stuff. If you have any ideas, feel free to send me a message on Facebook. Um, speaking of Facebook, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, all that special stuff under BTBN. And uh, that's just the easiest way to know when new episodes come out. If you're uh, if you're listening on any of the applications, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Um, jump on the BTBN Facebook page. There's that crazy green, black BTBN colored duck call that I'm gonna give away. We're ending out on June, and my goal is to have that thing given away by second week of July. Don't hold me to it. Fourth of July is always crazy. There's lots of stuff going on, but second week of July, we'll make that a thing. So jump on the Facebook page, uh, check out that duck call that I turned, and uh, follow the steps. Get you a chance at a, uh, a duck call that I made. If nothing else, it'll be a really cool looking paperweight for your desk. A good talking point. It has been reviewed as not bad. That's kind of my little catchphrase. I should uh, TM that to put it on my branding. But uh, yeah, if you if you want to get yourself one of my duck calls, get put on the list. Like I say every time, I'm slow. The more of these podcasts I do, the longer the list gets. But that's okay. I uh, I'll get you taken care of as quick as I can, and uh, it'll sound not too bad to quote unquote. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's Monday, guys. I got a uh, a bunch of guys coming up for you this week. Today, I'm super excited to talk to a guy who uh, he did the whole thing a little bit different. Um, you know, lots of guys are call makers. I had a lot of really good call makers on here, but um, he looked at the whole art of call making just just a little bit different. He made it into a into a lifestyle. He's done some things that have been very very interesting. And very cool for the uh, the art of call making, and um, there's a lot of guys that that look up to the way that he does things, and uh, just kind of his mindset. So I'm really excited to pick his brain, and uh, just kind of find out what's going on with him and what's next. So without further ado, the great Josh Raggio. All right, Josh, how are you doing today, boss? I'm good, man. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Just winding down on another Monday and uh, getting ready to do the extracurricular work, the fun work. <laughs> you got out of the quote-unquote real job and on to the other real fun jobs? Yeah, man. It's uh, 
Uh, it's ridiculous. Everybody at work, I'll tell them that I'm a workaholic, and they're like, you're the first guy who's heading towards the door. I'm like, no, but I go home and work four or five hours a night because I, I enjoy that work. Oh, I remember those days, man, from the corporate world to the fun world. It was, uh, now I just get to do the, the fun all day, every day. Yeah, that's gotta be uh, it's gotta be tough though in its own because there's a lot of times like if I have a day off, and say the kids are at their mom's house or you know it's just me, I'll be in there and I'll turn for 18 hours or something, and not even realize it, and it, it's got I gotta imagine that it's tough sometimes to manage that schedule and like all right I have to take my lunch right now or else I'm not going to. Yeah, it is. You know, because I've I've been listening to most all the podcasts, and I've heard you guys kind of talk about that with very or you know on different podcasts about you know could you do it full time or you know the the challenges of it. And I, I will tell you, like it's it is a challenge. It's not all roses and rainbows every day. I mean, just like everybody else doesn't want to get up and go to work every now and then. I'm you know I'm the same way. Sometimes I do not want to come out in the shop, but I don't have a choice. <laughs> I got, I got to put food on the table. So, uh, but yeah, for the most part, it's great, man. You know, kind of living a dream and what I'm passionate about and get to do it every day and interact with with people. Um, I, I really enjoy it. So, yeah, it's good. It's something that's so special, man, because, you know, it's that balancing line of keeping something. When I was a... Uh, I was trying to do my show back in 14, 15. We were filming the TV show. I was making calls. Maybe this was 16. And uh, I was working just ungodly amounts of hours and sleeping two to three hours a night during duck season just to keep everything running. And uh, my ex wanted – she was a stay-at-home mom, and she actually went back to work full-time because she wanted to. And I was like, okay – Something we got to do something. I'm already working 12 hours a day at home. Why don't you go back full time? I think I can make up the amount of money that we're going to be losing in differential, and I'll stay at home and try to do this thing for a while. And it became to the point of where I burnt myself out for a while because I was it. It wasn't as fun anymore. It became stressful, and uh, yeah. I can imagine that had to enter your mind at some point. It did. I, I think I remember you saying that um, when you had another guest on, and and I remember thinking back. <clears throat> it hasn't happened since I've started doing it full time, but it did happen when it was a, you know, I guess a hobby slash you know kind of second job. So you know, I think it was from the stress and the fatigue of working all day with Caterpillar, and um, it, was, it was a very high stress job. That one was. Then coming home you know, hugging and wife and eating supper and kissing babies and trying to get some time with them and then coming to the shop at seven or eight at night and working till midnight and then doing it all again the next day and then on the weekends turning calls all day every day. So it's like you never I never stopped. I never took a break. And so I did get burned out around you know, the end of fourteen, part of fifteen. Um, you know, I was only making I don't know, hundred, hundred and twenty five calls, I think. Uh, and was it got to the point where it just wasn't really enjoyable. Uh, but I don't know, something changed when, when I and I weighed that when I when I went to resign from my job was man, I hope this doesn't happen again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and luckily so far, knock on wood, we're you know, 
two two and a half years into it um and it's you know it has its challenges it has its stresses just like every other job does but for the most part man it's just been a best move i ever made didn't make it too early didn't make it too late i needed time in that corporate world to learn how to run a business and learn how to do certain things that i just flat out didn't know how to do until i was in there in that world for 15 years so the timing was right and so here we are see that's that's so, oh, go ahead man i was saying doing it all day every day yeah, right and that's the the cool part about it is you know just doing that transition and kind of just it's like well here goes nothing you know <laughs> yeah we're gonna make or break and it's all me but uh i'm not i'm not relying on you know somebody else it, this is this is 100 percent on me so i i am I, I i don't know if i'm the exact same so many call makers are similar i don't know if it's coming out right but we're all entrepreneurs and we're doers and yeah. there's so many people in life that uh, talk themselves out of doing anything. They wish that they could run a marathon. They wish they could do this. They wish they could do that. And they talk themselves out of even starting it. Whereas uh, so many call makers are guys who are just like, well, let's throw caution to the wind and we're going to try this sucker out, you know? So uh, I have a lot of respect for you in that aspect. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, and you know, it was, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a decision I it really weighed on me for a couple of years. Um, but you know, from one side, it's very scary. The fear part is the part that doesn't allow you to take that next step, you know, cause I have two small kids and you know, a family that it's not like I'm a, you know, single guys just in, you know, in college or just out of college. You can just kind of, you know, I got, I got a family that I got to take care of. And so there was that scary part, but then there was that other part where my wife and I are very, are proponents of teaching our kids, you know, look, if, if when you get older, or even now, you know, I've got a three and eight year old, if there's something you want to do in life, we're going to, we're going to allow you to try it, you know, don't let anything or anybody tell you you can't do anything. And so if we're going to preach that, how could I you know, tell my kids that, but then not have the guts to jump out and try something on my own because it might not work. And so I really had to just look at myself in the mirror and go, you better practice what you preach or quit preaching it <laughs> basically you know well, uh, yeah. and I, I could not could not go to my grave and, and wonder man i wonder if that would have worked back then back in 2000 whatever you know when i'm 60 70 80 years old i'd have just kick myself you know well there's nothing worse than living with regret and it's kind of a i don't know if you've listened to david goggins book um or read it I, I listen because I, I do the audible, but he has this um, this theory that he holds, and it's called his accountability mirror. And he says he'll stop and he'll check, he'll look at himself in the mirror, and it's his way of holding himself accountable, you know. And he's like, sometimes I get downright dirty with myself. Well, why didn't you do this? You cheated this one rep. You didn't do this thing that you said you were going to do. And he's like, there's no greater person to hold yourself accountable than yourself and you have to do that you have to you have to hit that uh that self-realization of what you're gonna do and why didn't you do this and you know why couldn't you yeah i agree um and that and that's the tough part is you know now you're the you're you're your boss and you know you you gotta just make yourself walk out to that shop and get after it whether you want to or not I mean it's uh, it's what you signed up for and what you're doing now and so that's what I do 
do you find it harder to turn it off rather than getting it started like i know mine there's a lot of times with just doing the podcast alone that my phone goes off 24 7 i can't even imagine how much yours goes off is is there a a um can't think of the word but a point where you make yourself just put it away and uh i'm done for the day it's everybody else's time now uh it's honestly it's different every day um I don't, I don't really have a set schedule. I, I tried that at first, and that works in the corporate world. I had to be very, very, very organized and have my day laid out. You got, I'm making this call at this time, and I'm making uh, sending these emails at this time. I'm visiting this customer at this time. But now, that was another part of the reason that I wanted to work for myself was the flexibility of it. And so... You know, there's days where I might not come out to the shop till nine in the morning. That's pretty dang late for for me because typically I'm up around three thirty to six thirty. Just I don't sleep real well, you know. And so sometimes I come out really early, and some days I just don't. So there'll be days where I don't start turning until ten. You know, uh, those days I may work till seven, eight, nine at night. Uh, I kind of just let my body and my mind tell me when it's time. Like, I, I've, I've had enough today, and if I do any more, I'm not going to want to come out here tomorrow, and i got to come back tomorrow, so time to go inside. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I am, uh, I'm used to getting up really early as well, and it's funny on the weekends. I'll get up anywhere from like 4.50 to 5.50 is kind of my average every day, and yes. uh, I'll get that text message at you know, from the girlfriend at 6.30 in the morning, what are you doing out in the garage already working? I'm like, I've been up for two hours. It's just, I'm not going to throw off my schedule because it's the weekend, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, and, and you, you know this. I mean, I mean people, um, I mean, I'm, I'm self-employed. So last week when we went on vacation, there's no paid vacation days. So I have to make up those days of, you know, not making revenue by working more hours and so um you know there's days where you know i get sick or kids are sick or we've got to, I, there's you know my wife needs me to go do something with the kids or whatever it is so you know i just have to make up that time whenever i can and sometimes it's super early and sometimes it's super late and see you, you what you were talking about with that super structured um approach that you you already had ingrained in you I feel like that's something that you would you would almost have to have. I said it in the little intro that I did before we hit record is I was so fascinated by with just the way that you approach a lot of stuff. Like when you when you post pictures of calls, when you when you make certain moves business wise, like, you know, the Filson stuff and we can get into that later and the uh, the call night and the wall and stuff like that. It seems like you put so much thought into that type of stuff and calculate how you want your image to uh, come out and uh, how you represent it. Is that something that's accurate? Or is that just me overthinking it? Mm, some of it is is very, very, very thought out. I mean, I have ideas now that I may not, she might not see for another two to three years or longer. Um, but then there's some things that happen. Like, I get an idea, and the next day it happens. Um, and the mobile shot was one of those. The idea came up. My sister and I were, were out having dinner or drinks or something one day, and 
she's kind of the hippie type, travel around the country, the world, now she lives in New Zealand. She was talking about doing the van life thing. And she said, you know, you ought to get a, you ought to make you a shop where you just go around the country and make calls. It's like, yeah, that is the greatest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> I think I will. So the next day I went and bought a trailer. Of course, it took six months to get it wrapped and built out and get all the tooling for it. And, but that was, that was one of those things that was not thought out at all. She had the idea, and I went and bought a trailer and got to work with it, uh, you know, putting it together. Uh, you know, some of the other things just were, I've just been very, very fortunate. Like the Filson thing, you know, they reached out to me. Um, and that was, that was some, that's, that's a no brainer when Filson asked you to work with them. Um, that, that didn't take long to, to think of or to, to give them that answer. <laughs> it was just a, yep, sure, let's yep. make it work. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I, I did it very, you know, I, I saw it through, obviously. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of legalities and things like that when you work with bigger companies like that, and a lot of paperwork, and you know, a lot of that goes on. But um, you know, it was the right fit for what I felt like my brand was, what their brand was, and uh, it just turned out to be a really, really good partnership. Um, you know, the call nights were that was an idea that that was one of those that, that took a while to kind of develop and see how this thing was going to pan out and work out. Uh, you know, is anybody going to come? <laughs> Who knows? I may put this out there and not have a single person show up. You know, it turned out to where obviously it started smaller because it was started out as call lessons, not interviews with people from the industry. And, you know, we ended up having 150, 200 people in my backyard, you know, had to get big tents and uh, sound systems and stages and chairs. And it turned into a production, <laughs> a, a third or fourth job. Yeah, that you know this, that thing was crazy, so man. It was so much fun, um, and you know I still probably get a question or two a week about it. Like, when's the next one? Or it's amazing that people still think about it, know about it, inquire about it. So, you know, I've got plans to start them back up once all of this craziness kind of goes away. I guess. Um, I was gonna say that from all the stuff that you've done and all the different projects because I've been a, a big fan of how you've done stuff for a long time because it just it just appeals to me and uh, I love the mindset and hearing about how you go about different stuff but that call night thing I've talked about it with other call makers and you know you have a uh, like Meredith and uh, you know Alan Whitson and all those guys have that little area over there where they get together every now and then and hang out and shoot the breeze and talk calls and stuff like that and I feel like that's so important and so cool to have that atmosphere where people just come hang out at the shop and, and talk calls. So when you started doing those things, man, uh, I remember you making that post after having like nine or ten or something like that show up the first night and then watching three months later and you're putting freaking tents in your backyard. <laughs> it was like, oh, man, he's he's bit off something this, <laughs> this time. It got it got. It got very, it got, it was, it was so much fun, but trying to plan them, I mean, obviously, I mean, just the dang tent was $3,000, and, and I wasn't charging anybody to get in. The food was free, uh, everything was free, you just had to come, you know, and I had, and so the idea became then, all right, so using my contacts through the industry, let's get, get guests in here that most people around here would never get to meet face-to-face -face or hear, you know, an interview with and that type thing. And so that's when I started getting, you know, Billy Starks and David St. John and John Stevens and 
Richardson, you know, those guys like just and, and people just ate it up. And it was in the middle of summer. I have two hundred people in your backyard in July talking about duck hunting was awesome. In Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. It was just and we're you know, we're a water we're a waterfowl state. Uh it, but still, most guys are fishing or playing golf or are not thinking about duck hunting. But they that kind of put them in the mindset. Yes, yeah, so it was a lot of fun, a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. I was totally exhausted that next day, uh, just from the adrenaline rush, you know, uh, that you get putting on an event like that. You found yourself going from a call maker to an event planner in a very short amount of time, man. <laughs> I did. It was insane. Oh, that's what I was saying. Was I ended up having to start getting sponsors to cover all those costs. Because I mean, I couldn't afford it out of my pocket. Because I wasn't selling anything. I would, there was no way to make. I mean, I could have. I guess I could have made calls and sold them. I did one or two, but you know, I got a two-year wait list on calls. Like I couldn't just crank out calls for call night because I'm also trying to plan the event. So like, I you know, if I could cover my costs, I was good. That was the goal to make it free for you know everybody to come, and I could didn't have to come out of pocket on too much stuff um, and put on a good, you know, a good event that was educational and entertaining and fun. That, that was the goal. It was very cool. And going, what was like the mindset or what was your, not, I guess in the mindset, what was your reaction going from that first one to the second one? The second one, I feel like you had like 30 or 40 was, is that close? Yeah, I think we went from 12 to 24 to 40 to 100 to 150 to like 175. And then we started doing them at satellite locations, like one at Mississippi State, one in Little Rock at the Tri-State Truck there, um, one at a Business here, Circle 7. Uh, so it kind of started branching out to get away from my house because it was so much work cleaning up. Mm, uh, yeah, <laughs> It, yeah, and honestly, there were those businesses. Uh, you know, I believe uh, saw the, you know, like there was some the attraction part of it. Like, well, they can attract a crowd to their business, so let's see if we can have one here. And so they call and ask, and I'd say, yeah, here's what I need you to do, and they would do it. And uh, you know, so they were, yeah, so they went from twelve to one hundred and seventy-five people in a matter of like six months or so. So when it jumped up from that forty-eight to a hundred, were you like, "Oh no, <laughs> With, uh, this is a this was a bigger jump than I expected this time"? No, because I asked people to RSVP, and oh, so for food purposes, for one, and then also to kind of have an idea of how the size tent I was going to have to have, a number of chairs, um, knowing that fifty to seventy-five percent of people would. The other wouldn't, and I still have a 25%, probably more than RSVP'd. So I kind of had a clue once it made that big job, kind of what it was about to, what that night was going to be like. And it was awesome. It was so much fun. Very cool. And I believe R&T, didn't they release some calls when you were out there? No, John brought, so that was right after the fire. And the first time he came, uh, I didn't even know he was going to do it. Uh, we got done with the interview and he said he said I got one more thing to say I said alright you know, go ahead whatever and he said uh, are you, you know, I appreciate everybody coming this is a great thing blah 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 he said uh, everybody that came tonight is going to get a free call he brought 150 deuce and duck calls with him and they were all marked with the fire symbol, uh, emblem that they put on those fire calls and he gave everybody that showed up uh, a free duck call that's so cool, man. 
Yeah. And it's so... It's not like a Oprah, you know, or yeah, people look yeah. under their seat. <laughs> <laughs> Just to, uh, out of the whim, that's that's so great that they did that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. And, and then, you know, and most everybody else, too, brought brought calls to give away, and we would, we would do some kind of drawing or some kind of surprise, kind of cool deal, and we'd give, give some calls away, so... Yeah, everybody that's come has been very, very gracious with their time and resources and everything. It's been awesome. What did the uh, the wife say in a three month time span of it going from having twelve people in the uh, in the shop to she's like, okay, what are we gonna do now? <laughs> no, she was all for it. She helped. You know, she uh, I, I asked her to handle certain things. Of course, you know we had kids, so a little girl would bake cookies or. And we would let her sell those. We're trying to teach her how to be a, you know, kind of teach her a little business aspect of life. And so she would draw some pictures or uh, bake cookies, and um, they would kind of handle the food and the setup and the kind of how we handled all that. You know, my my once the day got here, you know, I, I didn't want to be tied down to anything except for telling it, you know, shaking hands, telling everybody hello, how much I appreciated them making the effort to come. Um, and then get on, you know, with the guests and the interview. And then uh, once that was done, I could kind of take a deep breath. And then we all just hung out, you know, till wee hours of the morning. <laughs> That's it's so cool, man. And it's something that I I know everybody can't wait for it to come back because it is. It's just a joy to watch. I've watched the live streams of it. I I need to bring myself down to one of them. But uh, yeah. it's something that's so special in the hunting world, and it's you wouldn't believe. You know, if you didn't see it with your own eyes, how many guys just want to come out and listen to that kind of stuff? Yeah, and I got to give credit where credit's due. It's, it wasn't the original deal was let's do call lessons. You know, so I had my buddy Brooks Tinsley and Brett McCool, you know, myself uh, for that first one or two. And you know, between us, we'd blown in the worlds ten or twelve times. I mean, we had we we knew enough to really help people. Um, and, and, but that started with, um, you know, Echo's done that for years on Tuesday nights, and R&T, Butch would do that with kids um, for years. So, I mean, it's not my original idea to get people together and talk about duck calls and duck hunting, but what it evolved to was really cool. I had no idea and no expectation of what it, the, the final product ended up being after so many months. Sometimes you just, uh, I mean, it was well thought out and well prepared, but sometimes you, the best ideas are ones that, you know, you just kind of find your way through them. Yeah, you do. And, and I'm the kind of, kind of person, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be first class. Like you're never going to, I hope, uh, you don't ever attend an event or get a call or anything to do with Razio Custom Calls. It's not first class. And if it's not, I want to be the first person to know about it. Um, because I, I need to fix something at that point. Um, and so that's always my goal is the best. I don't, if it's just one person coming over for call lessons, I'm going to give you the best call lessons that I could possibly ever give you to a mobile shop event. You know, uh, I'm going to pro- provide you, um, hopefully more than you're expecting. You did, um, you did some competition calling before you got into call making, didn't you? I did. My dad did it for a long, long time, and so I was just around it. And he ran contests for a while, um, and then I kind of stepped in and had to help with that a little bit when he uh, he got sick. So I'd kind of been around that aspect of it. I had a little success. I won 
you know, quite a few meat contests and two man. Only I've only I won the Mississippi State once. I've only bought in the Worlds one time, but you know, I love meat calling. It's just what I really like. But I love also the the Main Street because heck, a lot of my best friends now are people I met through that deal. Sitting in the bus for for you know hours waiting for your turn, you get to really get to know guys, and you everybody in the back is you, you have so much in common with everybody, and. So it's really easy to make friends back there because, heck, you know, everybody likes the same thing. Um, so yeah, I, I did, I did, I did it for. I started around college, left for college, and I think I stopped around 2011 or so. I haven't won any contests since then. Twelve, maybe. Nice. Is it? Um, is that something that led you into making calls, or are you just kind of like everybody else who was like, oh, I think I'm going to do this one day. No, it really didn't. And the funny thing is, I'd never um, seen a call get made from start to finish um, all through that time period. Um, you know, Butch had cut me some inserts, and Greg Hood had done that, uh, got some from Echo. But it was really, uh, I had a friend that lived close to me that is just a Renaissance man. He trains his own dogs, makes his own decoys, and he decided one day to make his own calls. And he called me and he said, you know, would you mind coming and blowing them and kind of giving me your critique them, I guess. And I said, yeah, you know, I'll ride over. And that was the first time I'd really seen a lathe and seen wood dust everywhere. And, and so I'm blowing these calls. I'm thinking, dang, he just, he just made this from a piece of wood, you know. And I was so fascinated by it. When I left that day, I said, one day I'm going to make myself a call and go hunt with it. That was my only objective. And I think that it took me about two years to kind of start accumulating the tooling and all that. But the idea was there once I left his house. So that's how it started for me. Never, never, ever planned on selling a call. Just wanted to make one for me, my dad, maybe a couple friends, and kind of be done with it. But, you know, now it's turned into what it is. <laughs> well, I remember I've listened to a few other podcasts where you've talked about it. But for the guys who don't know, it's it didn't it start off as uh, you made one, and then uh, you gave it. Well, you made a couple. You gave them to a buddy, and he wanted to buy it from you, and you were like, "I don't even know what to charge you" or something like that. Oh yeah, like the first. Well, I went through a lot of firewood first, but the first three that actually made sounds. I mean, did good. Like duck sounds. <laughs> um, I, I drove over to his house. I was like, "Man, check these out." You know, at the time, I thought they were the greatest thing ever. Now I look back at him and think, "Man, I can't believe I even showed showed these." But yeah, I made myself one. My dad won, and then he he got number three, and I was gonna give it to him. He's like, "Nope." He's like, "You're gonna do something with this one day. I want to be the first paying customer that you ever have." And so I think he gave me a hundred or two hundred bucks for that number three call. And we hunt with him once a year. We have one hunt where I take number one out, and he takes the number three out, and we just—that's the only calls we have on our lanyard, and we go hunt with him. So it's fun to look back and do that. That's that's one of my favorite things, and it's so—you talked about wanting to make a call that you can go kill a duck with, and uh, you know I've heard that old adage a lot of times where people talked about why they started making calls, and they're like, "Oh, I couldn't find anything that I wanted to hunt with" or something. And I'm like, dude, there's thousands of call makers out there. There's hundreds of calls. Yeah. Been, guys have been stacking up ducks for a long time using these calls. The real reason I got started is because I wanted to do something in 
and like you said, I wanted to go kill birds with something that uh, that I made myself. I guess not even necessarily kill them. I wanted to work birds, see the reaction yeah. to something that I made myself. And uh, I just I relate to that so much, and I always love every year I'll uh, I'll make a call for the season, and it'll be the call that yeah. I'm gonna hang on my lanyard that year. And uh, when I get done with it, you know, I'll date it and all that kind of stuff, and I'll put it against the mantle against all the calls from the year past so that way i can kind of see my progression um oh, that's cool yeah just something a little different and then i'll have you know the old faithful that i'll keep on there every most of the time but that's always <laughs> the goal is to have a new one on there what a great idea see i i hunt with one call and it's i've had it for uh, it was a call i made the barrel is uh well, it's, uh, technically it's green hedge but it was a little light it was a little lighter kind of up on the post a little bit um but it had a knot in it and it had a little bitty crack inside the knot you know and it probably would have been fine to sell but i was like no nah, i just like again it's just like if it ain't perfect or first class it ain't leaving the shop and so i kept the barrel just put it on the in the trash pile you know and I don't know, a month or two months later, made an insert, Blackwood insert, and it had a little hairline crack in the top. I was like, well, so I started turning the crack out. It turned out to really not look like my shape exactly. It's kind of, it's a weird looking call, but it sounded fantastic. And I was like, well, dang, I can't sell that because it doesn't really necessarily look like my exact shape, but I think I'll put it in that other little crack barrel and I just made myself a hunting call. And so I've been hunting with that same call for, you know, six years, seven years now, um, and just can't, just can't get away from it. It's just fits me just right. It's all beat up, and yeah, had a CA finish on it at one point. Now it's all bubbled and cracked. And <laughs> it tells the story. <laughs> it's got character, man. But yeah, so I just, I just got carried that one call for the most part every hunt. I uh, I love making them out of Bodark because I had somebody that was asking about calls the other day, and they're like, uh, you make a lot of really cool stuff out of different materials and stuff like that. And it's somebody that, you know, I was like, if you want me to make you a hunter, I was like, let me throw this by you. Let me make you one out of Bodark, and we can put, you know, blackwood tips or inlays or something like that on there. But this is why I want to make it out of Bodark, because the longer you hunt, the darker that thing gets, that honey color that it gets, you know? And I was like, it's just kind of a measuring stick of how long you've been, kind of like guys who do jujitsu. The original reason for the black belt was you had a white belt and then it gradually got dirtier and dirtier and dirtier the longer that you did it. And that's how you end up with a black belt. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Don't, don't 100% quote me on that, but I I swear that I've heard that before, but I've been trying to pull stuff out of my butt before, but I'm pretty sure that's where it comes from. Well, it's a great story one way or the other. (laughs) I love it. So yeah, man, that's where I get that. uh, That's, you know, I love hunting calls out of Bodark because not only do they sound great, but it, it gives you that measuring stick of the darker they get. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just like boat art calls. Maybe I'm a little sentimental. Yeah, I like it too. Um, I mean, that's I'll, I really only use three woods for tone boards, and it's you know boat cocobola, and blackwood. Um, that's that's all I sleep with, and um, you know I turn a ton of cocobola calls, full cocobola calls. Like sixty percent of the calls I turn are cocobola, but um, yeah, it's great, great sound to them. So hard to dance. 
That um that Coca Bola man. I I love Coca Bola, but I don't. I'm not allergic to it. I don't. It just is one of those ones that irritates me a little bit more than others, so I don't do it as much. But yeah, that's yeah. a really good sounding wood too. Man, I'm so fortunate not to be allergic to that because it would just it would just man it would bother me because I just, I love it. it's my it's my favorite woods. Um, I'm, I'm 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 very fortunate to be able to just turn it. I think I got I kind of lay out my work on Sunday night. So last last night I laid out everything for this week, and I think seven of the calls I'm gonna turn this week are Coca Cola. So yeah, it's a it's my go to. I love it for a home. Yeah, I love it because of uh, all the different colors that it can be. You know, you have some of those yeah. deep dark browns, and then you'll get some random pinks and purples and stuff. It's a, a very cool oranges. piece of wood. It is. Never know what you're going to get on the inside. It's like bland <laughs> as can be on the outside, and you open it up, and it's just got all kind of figure in it and black lines running through it. Yeah, I love it. You've been putting out some great stuff lately, by the way. I really appreciate that, man. That means a lot coming from you. Well, it's, it's uh, like, it's it's good. <laughs> I'll scroll through the picture, you know, I'm like, dang. It's a pretty uh, badass call. I appreciate it. It's one of those ones where it's like I don't have very much time to turn. I don't have as much time to turn as I would like to. So I'm like, I'm going to stop, you know, just doing some of the uh, the simpler stuff, which I love the classic simple stuff too. But uh, I'm going to I'm gonna make it worthwhile. If I'm gonna be out here doing it, I'm gonna do some of this crazy stuff if I can. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing like a, a good challenge. Um, keep the brain, brain waves going, you know? I have to, uh, like, that's why I say I'll, I'll pick out some cocobolas for the week, but then I've also got some pretty, you know, fairly complicated type builds also that I gotta do this week that kind of keep the brain stimulated. Well, one of the things that I really like about your calls and the way that, just the way that you do them, you have a lot of classic, you know, you don't see a lot of gimmicky stuff on your calls. Um, A lot of it is really clean. You use a lot of blackwood inserts and stuff like that. I'm a huge fan of blackwood inserts. That's uh, probably my favorite combination. And, uh, you know, you have some really cool stuff that you've done with bands that just looks... It has that classic Americana feel to it. Well, I appreciate that. You know, there's a... My mom is a creative, and so... I don't know. I like to think that I got a little bit of creative bone from her, and, um, you know, I like to keep it simple. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Simple, yet some things look complicated, but like you say, kind of old-school, folk art-type look to it um yeah i don't do any engraving uh whatsoever no stickers uh sign the back of the tone boards or date them and that's that's about it you know and it, it that was probably not smart early because of that what, what i what, it, what i forced myself to do was be identified by the shape of my call which takes a lot of time you know when you first come out you're like who's this raggio rag raglio rag you know, nobody can pronounce my name, and they're like, you know. Well, give us so it, give us the proper pronunciation right out of your mouth, because I say Raggio. That's what I, I say, Raggio. Okay, yeah. cool. Raggio, but I mean, it, I'll answer this pretty much. I've been called everything, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, bad. it's it's your style, and it's 
it's a refined style. It's something that's going to look good because if you get stuff that's, I've said it in other podcasts, you know, in some kind of crazy color with flames and skulls and stuff like that, there's a market out there for that kind of stuff. But I just don't think that that stuff holds up. It doesn't have that classic, you know, that, that Filson, that, you know, that wax cap, you know, that your grandpa hunted. And that's what your style reminds me of. And I see a lot of guys out there that are uh, doing stuff very similar to that because it is. It just has that Americana feel to it, man. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. That's, um, you know, you, you don't build a brand overnight. It takes a long time of doing the little things um, over and over again to, to, to build that brand. And, you know, that's just kind of how my mind thinks and what I like. And so that's what I gravitate towards when I, when I start a build. And, uh, you know, when somebody calls and we're talking through what they want, and this, that, and the other. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of, like, the multicolored dyes for a while because it was a little bit outside of the traditional look. But, you know, now I'll turn... I'll turn two or three a week at least because uh, now I really kind of love, really like them because they're different and they're a, a mystery for me because you've turned them before you never know what it's going to look like on the inside you get a triple dye blank and somehow it may have five colors in it by the time you get it brown <laughs> you know? right well and that's one of my favorite things about buying blanks is you know, you'll see these guys, they'll post pictures of it, and it's all three sides most of the time, and it'll be misted. And you have, a lot of the times with how blank market is right now, you have to process it in your head of what can I do with this in like a very snap second. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this. Is it the right price? Is it the right material? What can I do with it inside of my head? And you almost have to game plan that sucker before you even get it. Yeah, I... I agree. I agree to an extent. A lot of time, my like my yeah, I, I see a blank and I know right off the bat like it's a yay or a nay. I, I, I you're just your your eye is just attracted to certain things. You'll buy a blank that I wouldn't. I'll buy a blank that you wouldn't. But the calls will turn out equally as beautiful. Um, and it just it's, I love it too because you never know what's on the inside. Yeah, that's, that's that. Go ahead. Sorry. I was saying you just, you just never know. If, if I had to come turn the same, that's why I don't turn acrylic. If I had to come turn the same thing day in and day out, I could not do this for a living. I mean, I, I'd be bored to tears. Um, I wouldn't do it for a living. So going in, you know, in the cabinet and grabbing that blank, man, it's it's really exciting for me. Honestly, I sounds kind of corny but like it's really exciting to figure out what that thing's going to look like when it's a finished product i love it yeah that's uh one thing i had mentioned on podcasts before was uh one of my favorite days is when i get a brand new shipment of blanks in and uh i'll spend the whole day of just getting barrel stage and start rounding them off just to see what they're going to look like you know and maybe even mist them down just to get that real color out of it you're cheating, Chris. You're cheating. Uh-huh. You gotta wait till you start the whole call, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta almost. It depends on how you. There's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, they'll do the batches where they'll get stuff set up and turn their dowels. I'm usually a one or two at a time kind of guy because yeah. that's just all I have time for these days. But yeah, that is one of my favorite things is just to see how 
you know, I won't turn it down the full shape, but just get that color out of it. I want to see what I can do with this thing. Oh, I know. I'm messing with you, but I know how it is, man. I've had blanks sitting in my cabinet for, you know, two, three, four. I mean, I've got some blanks that are probably six, seven years old, but I haven't turned yet. And it's impossible for us to show our customer base everything we have, you know. And so you start getting ideas of what somebody wants, and then you look in the cabinet and you're like, you can narrow it down to five or six blanks, and I can send pics. But like even then, you know, they they don't know, and I wouldn't either if I was in a call maker. What this even could remotely look like when it's turned. Um, we do have a little bit of an idea, but it's still vague. Uh, yeah, man, I love that part of it. <laughs> it's that part of it's it. the fun, and I'm glad that you brought it up because I was totally going to ask you about acrylics. I know that you despise them. And I know that they've been doing it for a long time, but you're one of the guys that brought Corian back in, I'm probably not even pronouncing it right, but you know what I'm talking about, back into the forefront yeah. of call making. Um, yeah, I guess. Um, I, I had, my dad has a couple of Corian calls, and when um, when I was able to get my hands on some, um, I, I did and started turning them and, you know, it wasn't well there were some solid ones but uh you know some kind of crazy laminated blanks and i'm a huge wheaties fan um like the wheaties pin out call was so far ahead of its time it was acrylic obviously but to laminate acrylic like that was just unheard of i look at i see that as art and so when i wasn't going to do that with acrylic when i had the ability or you know the option to to get those corian blanks like that I wasn't going to turn it down, and so yeah, um, turn you know I turned it for a year, and then uh, you know kind of it was been there and done that, moved on to the next whatever was after that. Was it kind of your uh, your what's the word I'm looking for? You're like I'm not going to turn acrylic, but I'll turn these at least. If you want something that is similar to acrylic which it's not in any way shape or form but uh no. you know is it like your it's uh, a synthetic right? material right let's put it that that way that's, that's the only similarity is to acrylic it's synthetic so was it like your uh your i can't i don't know why i can't think of the word um it doesn't matter your trade-off you're like i won't do this but i'll do this yeah yeah, but I told guys, it's like, look, you know, these, these calls are, these tone boards are a little sticky. Like, if if you want a hunting call, don't buy a Corian call. It's it's not, it's, it's, you're going to be disappointed. Um, you know, if you want a good hunting call, you should go with this. But if you want a cool kind of one-off type, just different call for a collection, this is, this is, this is what you should get. Um, so it all depends on what, what somebody was looking for, you know. Right Let me ask you this: How many guys? So, it, in your business, as you're selling calls, how many calls do you think go on the shelf versus get hunted that you sell? Oh man, I hope that all of them get hunted, but realistically, that's not the way today goes. I would say probably seventy nah. percent of them go on the shelf. Really? Okay. I mean, I, I just on an estimate, I you know, you would hope that they all get hunted, and I, that's kind of the thing. I'm like, well, if it gets chipped, dinged, whatever, send it back to me. I'll rework it for you. But uh, I don't know. I I think the collectors out there, so like, 
you see guys that have 200, 300 calls in their collection. There's no way that they're hunting all those suckers. No, no. I, I, have, I have a couple hundred in my collection, and I've, I've only hunted probably 10 of them, 5 of them. You know, I just appreciate the art form that it is and love to display them. And I blow them in my shop, you know, and show them off when people come here. Um, not, and that, you know, kind of going back to call night, that was the idea was to, you know, to help or to give some other call makers a platform to put their stuff out there, you know. And we never talked about Razio Custom Calls at call night. It was all about whoever was there and the guest. Um, you know, Jeremiah Kluzman and Shane Gillian, Scott has been guests. And so it's kind of the same thought process with these calls in my shop is I display them because I want people that walk in here to see what everybody else in our industry does too. Well, and it almost becomes like a little miniature waterfowl museum, you know? Yeah, this, yeah, my little, the front room of my shop is, is definitely that. Um, I've got some really super old calls to calls that were made, you know, this year by guys. So it, it's, uh, but everything with the exception of, I think I have about five or 10 CNC calls. Everything in here is handmade. That's really cool. And that's, that's that Americana part of it. You know, that I use that word a lot cause I don't know what else, you know, would justify it, but that's that, that part of waterfowl history i don't know waterfowl is just so steeped in tradition and uh you know you did it because your dad did it or your grandpa did it or your buddy's grandpa or something you know it's just something that you want to pass down and uh that handmade aspect of it it just means so much more it does it does do you have a collection oh yeah what's your what's your favorite or best top three or five calls man my favorite call and uh, this is his first shout-out in a couple of weeks, so he'll probably be happy. The My favorite call that I've ever ran was uh, Eric Ostevic. He traded me back in, like, 15, um, one of his big meat boars, and it's just a simple hedge hunting call, and that thing fits me. It just runs like, you know, no other call that I've ever ran before. And uh, yeah. I've always tried to get him to start putting out more stuff and he's like dude i've got enough quit saying that to people (laughs) because he has too much work but uh that is my favorite one hands down um i had uh kyle huff sent me one out of texas and it was one of his very very early calls and uh he had made it in my style of that buckeye burl with blackwood and uh that one was really, really cool because he had just started carving, so it definitely has some sentimental value to it. That's cool. Yeah, I've got one of Kyle's too. He's such a good dude. He is so nice. I tried to get him to come on here before, and he's like, "No, nah, there's no way I'd be, I'd be okay with talking that for that long." <laughs> he could do it. Oh, he I know. Replies <laughs> What about old calls? Do you got any old calls? I don't keep a lot of old calls. Um. Man, I had man, nothing really. Um, a lot of the older stuff that you can get anymore is so expensive. And yeah. uh, a lot of the stuff that's still around that isn't just cost you $900,000 is all acrylic. And I just, that's not my style. Um, I collect a lot in that Buckeye Burl and Blackwood. I've had a lot of guys make me stuff like that. Um, 
Ron Davis is going to do up a uh, Buckeye Brawl and Blackwood Brickwork call. And I was like, well, as soon as you get it done, you let me know, and I'll pay you whatever you want for it because I'm taking that sucker home. Talk about another great guy. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my favorite thing about this podcast is just talking to guys. And because you can shoot messages back and forth on Facebook or trade comments here and there. But just getting those in-depth conversations about what is this guy about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's why I love to go to the shows. Um, been to Real Foot the past few years and Call of Palooza, um, you know, things like that. And, you know, guys that you – because you can never tell anybody's intent behind comments on Facebook or Instagram and messages. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to read somebody's intent when they're typing. Although – Sometimes it's not that hard, but, you know, uh, for the most part, um, you know, getting to meet somebody face-to-face is obviously the best way to get to know somebody, and so, man, these shows that, like I just mentioned, are, man, I just, I, I, I enjoy them so much, uh, you know, unfortunately for me, hauling the mobile shop around to these things, I actually am working, so I don't get to stay up till two or three in the morning shooting the breeze like some of the other guys do but <laughs> I still get some, some free time and um, you know guys call, come in the shop and uh, hang out of course they all give me grief while I'm turning I can't believe you do it that way or that way or you know and we have a good time so I really enjoy meeting guys face to face and shaking their hands and actually having a conversation the way that you hold that shop back while turning gives my, <laughs> makes my stress level go so high because I've tried it before <laughs> And I'm like, nope, there's no way I am not. Because you just get your own little way of doing stuff, and you get comfortable. And I tried yeah. it after seeing you do it a couple of years ago. I was like, nope, th- I'll, I'll just sweep up afterwards. <laughs> Man, do it for a week, and you won't ever set it down. It's crazy. It's, it looks like it looks like death. I've seen – there was somebody else that I saw a picture of that was doing an underhand grip on their turning tools. And I was like, dude, if that ever catches, that is going to hit you right in the face. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't even know how. I've got an overhand grip, but I've got an underhand on the hose and the bottom of my turning tool. So I've got control of it. Um, you know, what, the, what, the reason that happened was because I was trying to wear a mask. It was, I was fogging my glasses, and I was just – because when I first started, I was turning in a, not this house or shop. We lived down the road a little piece and just in a carport. It was either smoking hot in there and humid or freezing in the winter. And my glasses would just fog up. I couldn't see, and I was frustrated. And so I was like, "Man, what can I? How can I fix this?" And I didn't have a, you know, nice shot or a, what do you call it? You know, back system in the shop. And I even tried that, and it, but it wouldn't pull it hard enough to get it, keep it out of my face. So I grabbed a shot hose one day and just figured it out and held it, and can't do it without it now. I mean, now somebody, you know. If, photographer whatever wants to take pictures and see chips flying it drives me crazy because i got (laughs) i got it all in my face got it all over me all on the floor and i am a i'm ocd about how clean my shop stays and you know we'll get a few pictures and then i go right back to to holding the the shop back hose this works for me (laughs) well that's right for a week and i guarantee you won't ever put it down I'll have to try it, man, because I am. I turn in the garage, and I have my shop back sitting next to my workbench. So, like, I, it's it gets used a lot, but it's not that. But, dude, it is so humid out right now. 
I think it was 94 today in Missouri, and the humidity is like 80-something. So yeah. when you start turning when it's like that, everything just sticks to you. And you got, That's horrible. Oh, man, it just – I know all the guys that are that have gone through the same thing. Rusty made fun of me. He's like, you just need to move to Canada, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's 60 so last, degrees out here. Man, last year I wanted to take the family to Montana and just rent a house for two or three months and just haul the mobile shop up there and work and let them go explore and all that. It didn't work out. But, um, yeah, I want, I'd love to go to Canada this time of year for – couple of couple of months till school started you know but yeah i have a shot back at every station so when i'm cutting tone boards even holding my jig i'm holding i'm also holding a shot back hose so everything's going straight into there when i'm drilling blanks on the drill press holding a shot back hose right on the drill bit so everything always stays clean that's a good way to be it saves you so much time and effort on the back end man well, it makes me more productive. I'll be honest with you. Like, I can't be productive in a nasty environment. And it just, uh, and when people walk in that, are, that don't know, they walk in and they're like, man, glad you cleaned up for us. You know, you didn't have to do that. And I was like, well, actually, I didn't. It just stays like this. Because <laughs> I can't work in that in that environment. And every wood shop anybody's ever been in is three inches deep in sawdust and everything's covered in it. And I, I just cannot be productive in that that type of situation so it it works for me everybody's got their way of doing things that works for them but that's how i do it i don't blame you man because if i spend a weekend turning or something like that and i've done four or five six calls whatever and i'll break down on sunday and start cleaning and the more stuff i move you know you move the kids bikes and holy cow you've got dust in between the spokes somehow stuck to it everywhere you look there's just a pile of dust somewhere well imagine being able to take that date and i'll have to clean yeah know? exactly and, uh, that's what we're doing but um yeah give it a try i'm gonna try it out and if you see me on a on facebook <laughs> <laughs> you'll say oh well chris tried <laughs> well yeah i'll tell you like i tell everybody like if you want to just if you want to facetime me and watch the way i hold it like i can show you how to how i personally do it and it may help a little bit i don't know do you have a maybe not do you have a long arm on your turners, on your uh, tools? Uh, no, I actually use the, it's not the shortest one, but, well, actually I use on the round tip, which is what I use 80% of the time. Um, it's the, uh, I mean, it's, it's not the shortest one, but it's kind of that first size. Of yeah, that. mine, I think mine's like, I would say 12 inches roughly, if I was just looking at it. Uh, yeah, I have the red handle. And then I use the I do use the mid the next size up for the square tip and the uh, parting tool, and then my diamond tip is that that shorter one like the the round tip that I use. Gotcha. Easy so, tool is that what it's called? Yeah, easy wood. The easy, easy tool yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever they are. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you start off on carbides or do you try messing around nah. with HSS? No, somebody gave me some HSS. So I, I, you know, I started off with a ten fourteen. Turned it on, and it was not spinning fast enough. My like the wood was catching when I was turning, and I didn't know. I thought I, the guy sold me a defective lathe. That's how like I literally didn't know anything about woodworking. And so finally, I figured out. Oh, you have to loosen this and move the belt over, and it will spin faster, and you can actually turn wood. Like I was totally ignorant to all that when I started, and uh, you know learned how to sharpen tools. And once I found 
carbide tips. I, you know, invested in one set, and um, you know, now I think I have, you know, three of everything because obviously that's how you make your living. Right. <laughs> you got you need those tools and upgraded to a. I think I've got three of the twelve twenty one jets, um, one in the mobile shop, one in the shop, and then a, a spare in case something goes wrong with one. So I'm never if something goes wrong. I've got basically two of everything um, at least. Uh, you know, I don't ever want cooling to be an issue where I can't work and have to wait on something. Well, yeah, especially so, when uh, you're stuck waiting on the mail, you know, for parts and stuff to be delivered. Yeah, so that was my step up. It was from a 10, 14 to the 12, 21, and then from high-speed steel to carbide. That, those were game changers to be able to adjust your RPM with a dial. That was, that was a big deal. See, I remember vividly when I went from HSS tools to uh, carbide, I was turning acrylic. And, uh, yeah, it was a uh, real interesting explosion with the first time that I touched it. And I was like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to push quite as far. I think, actually, if you're using carbide, well, you you, you know this, the, the duller the tool on carbide, the better it turns with acrylic. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, that's what I tell guys. I'm like, wait four or five calls. You're you'll be a lot happier with your carbide after it's a little bit worn in. Yeah, yeah. I've heard enough of it to know a few little things like that, but I just it's just not my not my cup of tea. So I'm gonna stay in my lane. <laughs> I don't blame you. If I do anything with acrylic, it's usually just accents. Like I'll do like some uh, ivory yeah. tips here and there, and uh, I've done some stuff where. I've done like a clear acrylic sleeve and then yeah. I'll do like a clear barrel and like wood uh, wood on the insert and then like a wood tip or a wood band and just have that barrel be uh, transparent and that tone board be transparent to where yeah. it, uh, just to be a little creative with it. But yeah, I'm not a big acrylic fan. It's too much of a pain in the butt. Well, and people, I, I don't know that everyone can appreciate that. Um, turning clear acrylic the to finish it the way you finish it and to make it look like the way you do that's that's the challenge turning it is one thing to get a finish on it where it looks like you make it look that's where the rubber meets the road and those guys that do that that flame polish i don't do any of that stuff i do it by hand and it's a whole lot of pinky inside the barrel <laughs> and it gets, oh, it's, it's real against safety protocol kids don't try that at home but uh, yeah i've definitely burnt my finger doing it before <laughs> yeah I, you know if i was doing it i, I would flame polish um but you know it's just mad man that wet sanding and all that golly it just it uh creates a whole nother headache man but uh so what where is you talk about this mobile shop which is a super cool idea i love the the thought of being on the road and going different places and be able to do a little bit of work you know so that way you can still keep doing stuff where is the fa- your favorite place most interesting maybe that uh you've taken that sucker oh man <laughs> it has taken me some pretty unbelievable places uh, from a hunting aspect, places that I never would have gotten to go set foot on, you know, multi, multi-million dollar camps, um, you know, will hire me out to come for three or four days and, and make calls for everybody in the camp. And, uh, you know, just very fortunate. They'll ask me to hunt with them in the mornings and then I'll turn calls once we get back all day and all night. 
but I, you know, I, I've taken it to, uh, I've been to Jerry Jones's ranch in, uh, in Dallas, got to go to a preseason game and got to turn calls for, you know, him, his family and a lot of his friends for a weekend. Uh, been to, you know, all the shows with it, been to, um, been to Barton Ramsey's up to the summit, uh, at Southern Hope Kennels. And like I said, a lot of just really, like, places you hear about, like the three-story blind, uh, you know, in Arkansas, you probably see me post pictures of that, uh, Cypress Run's the name of that camp, Straight Lakes in Arkansas, you know, I've gotten to hunt, uh, go there, and, and I've, I've gotten to hunt White Oaks a few times. It's just amazing, man. Like, I have to pinch myself and say, is this real right now? You're right. How the <laughs> yeah. heck did I get here? <laughs> How the heck did I get here? Um, yeah, you know, I get to hunt those places and then go get to do what I love to do in the afternoons and go make duck calls. Um, it's just, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Very, very fortunate. It's really entertaining. You almost need like a little, uh, a little mini series or something for Facebook or whatever Instagram where you're, you start posting the trip and you know whatever. <laughs> just a little. Uh, yeah. A little behind the scenes type miniseries. That yeah, that there's there's something in the works for that. Um, there's there's all kind of angles that you should go with the mobile shop. Uh, so yeah, we, we there's there's lots of cool things you could do with it. And you know, I'm working on that, trying to kind of you know, I got some things narrowed down. The best way to maybe start telling some of those stories. Uh, they're quite frankly just very very entertaining. Like that people would just really enjoy that. I agree. I think. I think I think it would be super cool and super entertaining for more than just call makers. For you know anybody that gets out there and hunts, just to see, you know what you do. Because I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of mystery because you post a lot of the stuff. You know what's going on on Instagram, Facebook, stuff like that. But as far as like the daily in and outs, you're not a guy who's super active. Even if you're looking at what's going on on Facebook and all the different groups, but you're not a guy that's going out there and posting and getting involved with a lot of the nonsense in the call making world. So I think it'd be really cool to kind of get that behind the, uh, behind the curtains look. Yeah. You know, I took, um, I kind of just took that approach. First of all, they don't have time to, to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty engulfed in my work, you know, when I'm out in the shop, um, I do pay very close attention. Like I, I, I pay attention to who's selling calls and what they're selling for and, um, that type thing and you know and I, it does not offend me I get this question all the time you know how do you feel about guys flipping your calls so it does not bother me one bit um, you know you, you, you spent your hard of money on something I make it's yours um, to do whatever you want with uh, you know I mean unless it was like a trade call you know you lose you, you hate to see something uh, that you make for another call maker go up for sale but you know other than that man you spend your money on, on my product is yours uh, to do whatever you like to with but yeah I kind of adopted that I don't really get involved in the drama and all that because as you know, you know I took a lot of heat early on and you know I read it all and I kind of I know who said it and um, kind of saw how I guess people were and it's not gonna fuel the fire. It's not my style. Well, give me a thick, give me a thick skin, though. Well, <laughs> you yeah. say pretty much whatever you want to about me, and I just 
don't bother me. I'm just going to do my thing and, you know, do everything I can for the call making world and waterfowl world. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, I guess, if, if I haven't done a good enough job of showing like through call nights and, and other things that I've tried to do that are, that are beneficial to all call makers. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate if they don't see that because I'm, I look at it as a brotherhood, uh, personally. I think I've said that on a, a few different podcasts and that's, you know, people get on Facebook or the social medias and, uh, you know, they say a lot of stuff that nobody would ever say if they ever met you in person and, uh, yeah. got to know people. It, it becomes that mob mentality of where one person says something and then everybody joins in. And I faced some of it when I was, uh, doing some live streaming, man. I, uh, I took a lot of heat. I had a lot of phone calls of people threatening to beat my ass because I said that I thought somebody should have got a higher score. And uh, I've talked to a lot of those people since, and, you know, we kind of buried the hatchet. And it was like, well, you know, you just you just didn't know me. And it's just yeah. my opinion on some things, you know. It's not, a, it's not me gospel, you know. Who the heck am I to say it? It's just an opinion. And people get... You know, people get crazy on Facebook, so I, I like your approach of, of staying off of it. But, yeah, you you got to pay attention to some of it, like you said. Oh, trust me. I, I pay attention to most most all of it. Um, you know, and, I, and I, like I said, I, I know what people say about me and or what they have said about me. A lot of it is, is water under the bridge now. Um, yeah, a lot of those... Uh, yeah, and honestly, if I see something that really, really, really bothered me from another call maker, I just send him a message and say, "Hey, man, you know, I don't know what, you know, what, uh, what made you say that? But here's my cell phone number. Um, you know, if you have an issue, man, just just call me. We'll talk through it." And yeah, about half of them would. And by the end of the conversation, you know, we were, we were buddies. Uh, you know, it's just it's a part of being the new guy in an industry. Um, you know, I hope I'm not the new guy anymore. Uh, but, you know, I, you, respect is earned. It's not given. And uh, yeah, especially in this industry. Um, and, you know, there's some growing pains that go with it. And uh, just like, like I said, you got to have thick skin and keep your head down and keep doing what you're doing. And eventually it's, you know, if you believe in what you're doing, other people will too. Yeah. There will always be naysayers. But... I mean, that's in everything. It doesn't matter what the heck you make. When you when you make a product and you put yourself out there, just be prepared to be judged and be prepared for the negative because it's coming. That's, this, that's today's society. And, uh, you know, you just got to sweep that on the rug and keep going. Well, and that's, that's you know, any time that I ever had any problem with, you know, any kind of feedback with calls or backlash on something with calls, it was never the call maker who was doing it, it was always, you know, a fanboy or a groupie of, you know, seg call or a specific group. And it's like you said, you just end up talking directly to the call maker and you're like, no, actually, we're good. <laughs> so you guys... Yeah, you know, I've, I've heard that um, before. You know, you got to you gotta remember that... Um, I, I hate the word. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like the word fanboy. Um, you know, there's guys that collect different calls, different people's calls. And, and quite honestly, you know, they look at them as investments. And when they, if they see something that um, is not quite right, um, you know, they they will say something, hopefully in a very respectful manner. 
Um, you can't control what everybody else says. You can only control what you say. But, you know, they, uh, you know, guys that collect your calls, they're going to be, uh, they're going to come to your defense if they see something going on that's maybe questionable, you know. And, um, but yeah, as a call maker, yeah, you know, you can't, you can't control anybody else's call makers or, uh, you know, your, your customers or clients actions. Um, so yeah, I just kind of, I just kind of sit back and watch it unfold and, you know, hope for, hope for past most of that, me personally, but it still comes up every now and then, of course. Well, yeah. And that's the thing, man, with so many, uh, there's just too many people you know that are are so passionate about everything you for every one guy that might say something bad towards any one person you have a hundred people saying good stuff and uh it's just joe rogan says it all the time on his podcast he's like don't read the comments just just don't don't spend your night reading the comments because it uh it'll drive you crazy that one person you might get a hundred hell yes good job buddy and that one person who says something negative will just It'll just eat at you, you know. Yeah, you know, and I, I read them, and and yeah, I paid attention. But what really, what really sucked a lot of those, especially those early years, you know, is my family read them and my friends read them, and they wanted to just unleash. And I was like, no, you're you're not allowed. You're not allowed to say a word. Um, now, I appreciate that you support me, and you know, we know a lot of this is just is just to hate somebody behind a keyboard, whatever. But if you say something, there's just no use in fueling a fire because it just keeps going and going and going. And, um, you know, one day it'll pass over. And, you know, unfortunately, somebody else will be taking a bunch of heat one day, which I hate to see because um, I've been there. And, uh, you know, it just that's what bothered me was to see it affect my family and friends the way it did because they saw how hard I was working my tail off trying to develop a tone board and just... You know, just do what I was trying to do, and uh, you know, so that that was the tough part was to keep the reins pulled back on them. No, oh, yeah, yeah, I can imagine, man, because you get people that are passionate and care about you, and you're like, uh, it's if you jump on here and say something, it is only gonna make it the mob is gonna go crazy. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. What tends to make it worse sometimes. It is, you know, and you know they say what is it? Uh, any publicity is is good. I, you know, I, maybe so, but I, I prefer the positive stuff, you know. <laughs> it's, it's a lot more fun, man, and luckily we're yeah. in the generation of the 24-hour news cycle. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I've always said, you know, like, man, look, if you got a problem, like, with with me personally or something that I do or my call or whatever, just pick up the phone and call me. I mean, that's kind of how... I like to handle business. I'm not going to put that is how I handle business. If I have an issue with, uh, with you or something you're doing, I'm going to pick up the phone and say, Hey man, here's my issue. And you know, let's talk through it. And you may agree or disagree, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw you out on social media about it. But, uh, anyway, that's like I said, hopefully that's, that's long gone. But, Oh, yeah, man. I, uh, I've i said... Hey, I feel like i paid my dues. Oh, yeah, you definitely have. And that's something that I said early on in the podcast. I can't remember who it was, what it was about specifically, but when guys jump on there and they post up their first call, and yeah. so many times, which you know, 
uh, that is one of the scariest things you can do is post up that first call oh, where you're introducing yourself to everybody and you're like, oh God, I hope they like it. And uh, oh, half the time you'll read comments and somebody's like, oh, it looks too much like this. Uh, you know, you're copying somebody else and it's like, you know, a guy just took a chance and, yeah. and you know, put himself out there. And the first thing that you're going to do on public is start calling him out negatively. It's like send yeah. the dude a send the dude a private message. Let him know. Yeah. Like, don't be beating somebody down who's just gonna sell all this stuff and quit. Um, it's it's sad, but it, it like you say, it's it's today's world. It's not gonna stop. It's probably just gonna get worse. Um, yeah, because there's no accountability uh, behind a keyboard. Zero accountability, and so it's it's not gonna stop. Um, like I said, I hate to see it happen to guys, new call makers now. But on the flip side, I've seen a lot of positive now, you know. I've seen some new call makers that have come out with stuff, and it's all been nothing but positive. They hadn't had any, um, you know, any negative, you know, comments or posts or things like that where people just jump on them. Um, not that I've seen. So or it's been very, very, very minimal, at, at, you know, at best. So maybe it is shifting a little bit in the call making world, but... Um, yeah, I, mean, I remember making a, one of my first posts when I did the first 4th of July calls in 14, maybe, where I painted the red, white, and blue on them. Yes. I, I sat there. Um, yeah, I was a low man on the pole. That was um, the DCE days, wasn't it? Yeah, Scott. I, re- I, mean, I, was I remember the, it, man. I didn't know Scott. I talked to him like one time before that. And, and, you know, he asked me to be a part of that. And I'm like, holy crap, you got Refuge, Echo, all these other, like, like real call makers and just like me and I'm like man and I don't do anything like these guys like I'm the oddball out and I don't know anybody and I remember painting those calls going I love like I love them I thought man this is really cool this is something different um you know even the cord wrap back in 2014 I was like man this is just this is cool you know nobody's really done this yet since the 20s 30s 40s but I remember putting those 4th of July call I sat there for probably 30 minutes with my post typed, ready to hit the, the enter button, and I couldn't hit it because I knew I was about to just, I was putting myself out there, and it was on something way different than just a call. You know, I painted some calls, which just stripes on them, but it was still different. Man, and it is a, it's tough to put yourself out there at first. It is tough. So kudos to the new guys that are doing it and just saying, here's what it is, here's what I'm making, and, you know, Hope you like it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, this is not an easy thing to do. And like you said, man, that's um, that whole call making brotherhood. It's there's so much positivity in the call making world. At least, you know, up front, I think it's gotten a lot better. Where you don't see the bickering and the arguing like you see in so many competitive venues. You know, <laughs> I remember, you know, sports growing up, man. If you saw somebody else out on from the rival team, you know, there might be a fight legitimately. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Call making these days, man. Everybody's, it's pretty dang positive for the most part. We're really living in a, a real good age um, as far as technology wise, the way that guys are just pushing themselves. And, you know, you get new call makers that they're putting out really, really good stuff really quick. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love to see the new, the innovative. Um, you know, the, the most the most frustrating part is, is is 
you know, if, if you take if you take somebody's idea and it inspires, quote unquote, inspires you, you know, give credit to whoever did it. The problem is now there's so many new call makers, like they're not sure who was the first to do something that they saw. Now they're kind of putting their spin on it. But that's the one thing I've always really tried to do is like give credit to whoever inspired me to do that thing. If I was doing something similar to somebody, um, you know, I was always always trying to give credit to to who did you know it was like the coke can read a few months ago you know I, that wasn't my idea it's my buddy tj's idea he did it in college 20 years ago and you know and he, he sent me a message as soon as i posted it and he said man thank you for giving me credit for that i was like well yeah it wasn't my idea it was yours <laughs> why wouldn't i give you credit for it you know so a lot of that gets lost in the translation but you know i I always encourage guys that ask me like getting into call making I get a ton of request, you know questions and this that and the other ton of them every day it's like look if you if you see something you like and you're going to take you put your spin on something just give that guy credit for his idea you know maybe it inspired you maybe you're copying it who knows whatever but give the guy credit um, for something that was done before you um, but it's just respect um, you know what I mean oh yeah makes sense? absolutely Absolutely, man. The reason that I love Blackwood Inserts Tips band so much, as I've told him, is uh, Brad Samples. He uh, he kind of got into that style for quite a while and was doing that. And I was like, I love the look of that. Let me figure out how to do something that's different but still uses similar materials. And I've said it before on other podcasts. Like, that's a, been a huge inspiration in my call making. And... Like you were talking about different guys coming out with different stuff and creativity and, and just you see a picture on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or something, you're like, Oh man, I'm kind of inspired now, you know. It's not a, a jealousy thing. It's like, dude, that's cool. Let me figure out how I can do something different. It's just got your creative juices going, you know? It does. It's it's so I mean, it's awesome. I love it. Like it pushes me to be a better call maker. When I go to call police and I see everything's going on, I'm like Man, I got to set my game up, you know? And <laughs> that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing at all. That's a very good thing. Because uh, if, if you as a call maker kind of get stale in what you're doing, well, you're going to eventually kind of just fade into the background and go away. And so you got to always kind of push push your limits, push your own limits. I and mean, there's things I like to do. You know, I've carved and checkered, and it is, it's not my thing. I don't enjoy it. Uh, but I do it every now and then just to kind of keep the – uh, that skill set there make sure I can still do it if I need to um, but man there's some stuff just you know like Brad my, my buddy Brad Eldridge like I'm blown away by what he's done yeah, um, I had him on probably two months ago man he is he's gonna be a good one he's already a good one but man he is you know and and you know managed to come up with his own shape and style you know out of the gate um, he's do, the way he packages in the cigar boxes totally different than anybody else that I know has ever done. Um, and he's got his own style, and that's just a creative gene that he's got that is very, very impressive. Uh, I blown it. You know, he only was thirty minutes from me, so I blown his calls, and they're they're great. Um, you know, he started with a flat jig. I mean, so much respect there, and. Yeah, I'm just proud for him. I'm proud of him, you know, because um, he, he comes to the shop and hangs out. And, you know, we're, we're buddies. Like, I pull for Brad just like I pull for all the other guys that are doing it. 
It's very, very cool, man. And it's a, uh, it's a great time to to be doing it, man. And uh, I just wanted to say I, I really appreciate you. I feel like I have to have you on here again sometime, just because we're getting close to our time on it. But uh, yeah, dude, I've really enjoyed this one. I love picking your brain. I was really excited, and uh, you were a guy I had on my list for a long time. But I know that you get bombarded with these type of things so i was like i i want to wait a while and come back around to them just so you don't feel like you're telling the same stories over and over and uh no i don't i don't mind because most of them are coming at it from a different perspective than strictly call making you know and so i thoroughly enjoyed this hour hour and a half and would be glad to come back and so we could we could do as many as you wanted and talk call making and never probably finish (laughs) right uh, it's always something new man yeah, you know, a lot of it is telling your whole story of from you know junior high to today, and like, yeah, I mean, that's fine. Don't get me wrong. It's uh, I love just talking call making and to people that understand like what we're talking about right now. So, yeah, that's one hundred percent. And it's like when you were talking about, you know, you've done your homework on this thing too. I, you were talking about how you've listened to some of the other episodes, and that's something yeah. that I did today while I was out on my route. Was I listened to some of your other episodes that you've been featured on and i was like i don't want to have him tell the same stuff over and over so i purposely tried to steer you know away from kind of the well when did you turn your first call where did you grow up hunting you know and, and yeah. just try to approach it a little different i appreciate that it's, it's it's really been a good like this hour and 20 minutes has flown by um like i said I, i'd be glad to come back and, and talk some more about call making anytime you want to well it'd be an honor I'm in golf with it so I love it (laughs) well it would be an honor and uh, I love what you're doing man I love the stuff that you're presenting and uh, you're just a really insightful guy man so I'm I'm very honored to have you on here can I mention one thing that I am doing yeah Um, for the the listeners that are on Instagram on Tuesday nights I've kind of started doing an Instagram live with, you know, somebody from the industry, my buddies, and, um, you know, some are just hunters, some are call makers, just kind of different, different perspectives from different things. And so it doesn't live on like, yeah, I probably should be on Facebook. So it stays there, but, um, it's Instagram live typically it's at 8 PM central time. Um, you know, and it's, we've got a, a lot of good response from it, but it's fun. It's like you and I sitting here talking, it's, just like getting different guys' perspectives on different things, and uh, you know, something I've started doing that I enjoy, just like you enjoy doing this podcast, and it's, it's just putting information out there for people to learn, and um, I, I love that part of it. Yes, sir. I caught uh, some of yours in Meredith and Whitson. So, oh you... gosh, that was <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> if you guys hey. haven't listened, jump on his on his Facebook page tomorrow night. 8 o'clock, and then tomorrow Instagram August, page. Instagram page. Instagram page. Yeah. And uh, yeah. listen to that thing, because it's so interesting, and it's uh, it's really cool, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, let's talk marketing and pictures and things like that next time. Absolutely. I, I, I can talk marketing all day long. I well, that's definitely something I want to get into with you, and I don't want you to share too many secrets, but you definitely approached it from the right <laughs> direction. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Man, thanks, Chris. It's been such a good time. I, I really do uh, thank you for having me on. Absolutely, sir. And thank you for coming on board. And uh, I'll reach out to you, and we'll we'll set another one of these up, man. Sounds great, man. Appreciate right. it.
Take care, sir. See you, brother. All right, bye. All right, guys, that was Josh Raggio, and uh, man, what else can you say? He's a, a very, very interesting guy, great call maker, just a true innovator in uh, this sport of hundreds and hundreds of years old and 120, 140 years old here in America itself, and just a guy who's always looking at doing something just a little bit different. So I really enjoyed that, and I, I just enjoyed picking your guys' brain. Um, make sure you share this thing, um, subscribe, get in on that Facebook giveaway, uh, get yourself a free call because I don't know when my books are going to, uh, look a little thinner. So, uh, yeah, if you want one, there's your chance. Jump on the BTBN Facebook page. Um, yeah, share this thing. Had a lot of fun. You guys have a good night.